0: Of God's Word and open it with me this morning to the book of Acts. And we're going to look at just a few verses in Acts chapter 16. We'll start in a moment in verse 6. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. One of the most important lessons a Christian must learn is to simply let God lead. Because sometimes we get ahead of God. Sometimes we decide we want to lead instead of follow. Sometimes we decide we're tired of waiting and we want to take matters into our own hands. And we don't take the time to stop and pray and discern God's will. We just move full speed ahead and normally the results are quite Painful, aren't they? I think about Abraham, how he got ahead of God when he decided to have a child by Hagar rather than trust God's promise. Saul got ahead of God when he got tired of waiting on Samuel and decided he would just offer the sacrifice himself. In Acts chapter 1, I believe the disciples got ahead of God when they decided to replace Judas Iscariot by casting lots when God had told them to watch and pray let's be honest we've all been there we've all been guilty of this at some point in our lives well this morning in Acts chapter 16 we're going to read the story of the Apostle Paul as he is wrestling with this issue the context of this story is Paul's second missionary journey Paul knows what he wants to do he knows where he wants to go. Paul has a plan. The problem is, as we will see, God had other plans. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, I know the plans I have for you. And sometimes that verse is taken woefully out of context. But I do believe we can read that and say, God has a plan for my life. Psalm 37, 23 says, a man's steps are ordered by the Lord. Not only does God have a plan for your life and my life, but God's plan includes even the very steps that we take. A lot of people love to make New Year's resolutions. I don't know how many of you did, but I can't think of a better resolution for any of us to make in 2022 than to make up our minds that we are going to get out of the way and let God lead what does that look like on a practical level we're gonna see three things that Paul did and three things for us to do when we are faced with this issue first of all when God changes your plans follow when God changes your plans follow look with me at verse 6 now when they had gone through Phrygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Paul's plan was to visit all of the churches that he founded on his first missionary journey. So Paul Is retracing his steps. Some of you in the back of your Bible, there will be maps. And one of those maps may be a map of all of the different missionary journeys that Paul took. If you look at that map, you will notice that at first, Paul's second missionary journey looks just like his first missionary journey. He is retracing his steps, only he's doing it in reverse. So he goes to Derby and Lystra, and he goes to uh, Phrygia and Galatia, and so far, so good. But then he gets to this point on his trip where it's time for Paul to go south. That was Paul's plan. But something happened, and instead of going south, Paul begins to go Northwest. Why is Paul going in the opposite direction? Is he lost? Does he need a GPS? No, Paul's going northwest, as we will see, because God changed his plans. Paul believed that God was calling him to go in a different direction. He believed that God was calling him to preach the gospel in Asia, which is in modern day Turkey. Now, was that God's will? No, because again, verse 6 says, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now that's an interesting statement. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Does this mean that Paul actually tried to preach in Asia, but somehow he got shut down? Does this mean that maybe he was sick for a while and physically unable to preach while he was there? Does it mean simply that he felt an inner compulsion telling him not to preach in Asia? Well, Asia was wide open. They had not heard the gospel. There were no churches. The need was tremendous. So why would the Holy Spirit forbid Paul from preaching in Asia? We don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. To us, it makes no sense. But let me tell you, to God, it made perfect sense because God had somewhere else where he wanted Paul to be at that time. Where was that? Well, look at verse 7. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to see a pattern here. Paul was going to go south, but then God changed his plan. Then he was going to preach in Asia, but God changed his plan. Then the Bible says God was gonna go, or Paul was gonna go to Bithynia, but God changed his plan. This is the third time on this one trip that Paul planned to do one thing, but God changed his plan. Now, let me make a few observations. First of all, Paul had plans. He made plans and he pursued those plans. So if you are a note taker, remember this, Make plans, but allow God to change them. Make plans, yes, but allow God to change them. Notice what Paul did not do. He did not sit back, do nothing, and just wait for God to give him some kind of a burning bush experience. Ever met anyone like that? I sure have. They don't know what God wants them to do. So they sit back and wind up doing nothing at all, and they're not useful to God. You know, for some people, God can't change their plans because they don't even have any plans for God to change. Well, yes, Paul made plans, but then he was willing to allow God to change those plans Now there's another application here. Twice we are told that it was the Spirit who would not allow Paul to do what he planned to do. Now listen to me carefully because maybe for some of you this is the most important thing that I'm going to say. There are no amount of plans that you can ever make that will take the place of the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. You must be led by the Holy Spirit to be successful in anything you do. So here's another statement. You can't be led by the Holy Spirit unless you are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be filled with the Spirit. The more and the more you yield control of your life to God, the spirit of God fills you and influences you and he controls you and he leads you. It's kind of like that GPS you have on your phone or in your car. Maybe you're going in one direction, but perhaps there's an accident or perhaps there is traffic. And so it makes a course correction. Well, in verses 6 and 7, you know what Paul is doing? He is making course corrections. It's like the Holy Spirit keeps telling him, rerouting, rerouting. And the only reason why the Apostle Paul couldn't keep making these course corrections is because he was at a place where he was filled with the Spirit of God and being led by the Spirit of God. But you can't be either if you aren't in God's word, if you're not in prayer, if you're not walking in obedience. And when you're doing all of the above and you've got your plans, but then God changes, those plans follow. Well, there's a second thing we see that Paul did in this passage. When God conceals his plan, trust. When God conceals his plan trust look at verse 8 so by so passing by Mycenae they came down to Troas twice already Paul had a desire to preach somewhere but the text said that God did not permit him I wonder if Paul got frustrated I wonder if there was some point where he had a moment of complete honesty where he said, God, you called me to preach. These folks need someone to preach. They haven't heard the gospel. I'm here to give it to them, but you won't let me preach. God, what's happening? What's the deal? Well, Paul does not know it at this point, but God is taking these disappointments In his life to move him where God wants him to be there's an old statement that goes like this your disappointments may be God's appointments your disappointments may be God's appointments you know what you want God to do you're disappointed when it doesn't happen that way but it very well may be that in that moment that is actually the appointment of God in your life My wife tells this story of how her senior year in high school she applied for a certain scholarship, a music scholarship that she coveted, and she did not get it. She was very discouraged, in fact she uh, questioned God, what is God doing? Because she did not get that scholarship, she had to spend her freshman year at a a local uh, community college and take all of her core classes. But a year later, she applied for that same scholarship again, and this time, she got it. Because she did not get that scholarship her freshman year, she wound up visiting the university where I was a student and where I was her tour guide. It was my job to recruit her. And boy, did I ever. But if she had gotten that scholarship when she wanted it, she would have never visited the school where she met her future husband. She was disappointed. But your disappointments may be God's appointments. In verse 8, Paul is in Troas, he's probably very discouraged, and the truth is he's probably in Troas because he's running out of places to go. God just keeps shutting doors. But Troas was a springboard. It was a a seacoast town from which Paul could wind up in any number of places. Paul has arrived here because he's been pushed here by a series of closed doors Paul does not know it, but he is almost there. He's almost where God wants him and where God is going to use him. So let me do something I don't normally do. Let me just spoil it and tell you the end of the story before we even read it. The end of the story is Paul preaches in Macedonia. God's will for Paul is to preach in Macedonia. And here he is in Troas, just wandering around, and he is on the brink of Macedonia. I bet if you would have talked to Paul somewhere in between verses 6 and 9, he would have said something along the lines of, I'm just guessing. I don't have a clue. Where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to do because God hasn't told me yet. Yes, Paul was guessing. And yet, as Paul was just wandering around, trying his best to figure things out, it turns out, in all of his wandering, God was moving him and steering him. Closer and closer to where God wanted him to be all along Macedonia. You know, has it ever occurred to you that at times in your life you may be guessing, but God is working? Maybe you had a decision to make and you prayed about it, but then it came time to make it. You still weren't 100% sure what God wanted you to do. You were guessing, but it turns out God was working. Because it turns out God is so sovereign, he does not have to reveal his entire plan to you in order to get you where he wants you to be. Sometimes God does not give you a giant arrow in the sky. Sometimes there's not this booming voice telling you exactly where to go and what to do. Yes, sometimes God allows us to guess, but then he uses our guesses to accomplish his will. So let me give you some advice. When it comes to God's will for your life, start with your heart. Because if your heart is truly in the right place, if your heart is pure, if you are in a right relationship with God, you don't have to spend every moment of the day worried about whether or not you missed a step here or there or accidentally got outside of God's will. If your heart is right, just wait on the Lord. Do what you believe as best as you can that God wants you to do and trust God to take care of the rest. Because even though God has a plan for your life, it's not for you to know that plan. Sometimes it's just for you to live one day at a time. That's what Paul's doing in Acts 16. There's this statement that you may have heard. It goes like this. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. I love that statement. That's a good thing to remind yourself of during those times uh, in your life where you are wandering, where perhaps you are guessing. And that is so true. The will of God will never take you where the, the grace of God will not keep you. But someone added the following. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not keep you, where the arms of God will not support you, where the riches of God will not supply you, and where the power of God will not endow you. The will of God will never take you, where the spirit of God will not lead you, where the wisdom of God will not teach you, where the army of God will not protect you, and where the hands of God will not mold you. The will of God will never take you, where the love of God will not embrace you, where the mercies of God will not sustain you, where the peace of God will not soothe you, and the authority of God will not rule you. The will of God will never take you where the comfort of God will not calm you, where the word of God will not feed you, where the miracles of God won't be done for you, and where the presence of God will not find you. You know what? Those are all good reasons to trust God even when you don't know what his plan is for your life, trust God's sovereignty, trust God's providence, trust His provision, trust God's goodness. And when God conceals His plan, continue to trust Him. But then finally, when God reveals His plan, it's time to obey. When God reveals His plan, obey. Look at verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. One morning, Paul got up and said, Pack your bags, men. It's time to go. Where are we going, Paul? He said, we're going to Macedonia. You know, just at that moment when you're the most confused, you're the most perplexed, and you don't know where to turn, I've got good news for you. In just that moment, that's when God will speak. That's when God will open doors. That's when God will reveal to you just what you need to know. And I love the way God did this, the way God revealed his plan to Paul. God didn't send an, an angel to tell him where to go, he didn't say, Turn left. God put a burden in Paul's heart, a burden for the people of Macedonia. God gave him a vision of a man who was pleading, who was begging, Oh, Paul, please come. He's desperate. He's desperate because only the gospel of Jesus Christ can meet the greatest need in his life. And if that man could literally speak to Paul in that moment, he would say, oh, please come help us and come tell us about Jesus. I believe God still gives Macedonian calls that there are still those whom if they could speak, they would say what this man is saying. And they would say, Please, please, whatever you do, come, help us and bring us the gospel before it is too late. You see, Paul learned a valuable lesson at this point in the story that we should learn as well: God's will for your life is not about your life. Now let me repeat that: God's will for your life is not about your life? Will you say, Pastor, what is it about? It is about God's kingdom all this time paul did not understand why god would not let him go south or why god would not let him preach in asia why god would not allow him to preach in bithynia those places and those peoples were important and yes god had plans for the gospel to go to those places as well. But God's plan for Paul was to take the gospel to Macedonia. God's plan was for churches to be planted in places like Berea and Thessalonica and Athens. Do you understand just what a watershed moment this is in verses nine and 10? This marks THE VERY FIRST TIME THAT THE GOSPEL MAKES ITS WAY TO EUROPE. EUROPE WOULD BECOME THE CENTER OF CHRISTIANITY FOR CENTURIES, AND OF COURSE MANY YEARS LATER Explorers from Europe and pilgrims from Europe would make their way to North America, and in the process, they would take the gospel along with them. And now, here we are today in 2022, and America is still one of the largest missionary launching pads in the history of the world. God, you see, had a plan that was bigger than Paul. God's plan was bigger than Asia or Bithynia or even Macedonia. God's plan was bigger than Europe, and it was bigger than North America. It's bigger than the whole world put together. God's plan was to build a kingdom that will endure forever and ever. And whenever and wherever God leads us, he always leads us with kingdom purposes in mind. I read the story of a hymn that I grew up in singing. And I imagine some of you have heard this hymn as well. It's probably one of the most powerful hymn stories I've ever heard. But back in the 1860s, during the Civil War, there was a young pastor named William Bradbury. He had recently graduated from seminary, and he was a guest speaker at the First Baptist Church of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. On that day, he was preaching from the 23rd Psalm. And as he was preaching, he looked down at his own text, and there was a statement in that Psalm that gripped him as it had never before. He leadeth me beside still waters. And William Bradbury just paused and focused on those words, he leadeth me. And he began to talk about what a wonderful thing it is for the believer to be led by God. Let me read to you what Bradbury said. He said, those words took hold of me as they had never done before, and I saw them in a significant and wondrous beauty of which I had never dreamed. As soon as that service was over, William Bradbury didn't even leave the pulpit. He just stood right there. He took a blank piece of paper and he began to write down words of a poem as it came to him. He wrote down this poem, and when he was finished, he took that sheet of paper, and you know what he did? He gave it to his wife, and then he forgot about it completely. But what he did not know is that his wife took that poem, and she mailed a copy to a newspaper in Boston. That newspaper then printed it. What he did not know is that a man in Boston read his poem in the newspaper— And was inspired by the words and decided to put those words to music, and he turned it into a hymn. Now, I haven't even told you the best part of the story yet. Three years later, William Bradbury was preaching at a church in New York in view of a call. After he was done preaching, that church was going to vote on whether or not to make him their next pastor And during that service, the congregation started singing. He'd never heard this song before, but the words were strangely familiar. It turns out that congregation was singing the poem that he had written and forgotten about three years earlier. William Bradbury didn't even know that he had written that hymn until he heard that congregation singing it on that day. What were they singing? He leadeth me, he leadeth me By his own hand he leadeth me His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. William Bradbury learned that even when we don't know it and even when we can't see it, God is leading his people. So trust him. We can trust him. We can get out of the way. We can follow wherever he leads because we know as long as he is the one leading us, everything else will take care of itself. As long as God is leading us in 2022, if he's leading, it'll all fall into place. To follow God, to follow his plan, that does mean you must be a follower of Jesus Christ. Have you ever done that? Have you come to that point where you have said, Jesus, I will follow you. You died for me, for my sins. Jesus, you rose again. And so I will confess you as Lord of my life and I will follow you the rest of my life days if you haven't i hope you'll make that your prayer today would you join me as we pray right now our heavenly father we thank you that you are willing always willing to lead your people and we are always better off when we get out of the way wait upon you and allow you to lead us And sometimes, Lord, we don't know the way. Sometimes we don't know what your will is for our lives. But we know as long as we are pursuing you, as long as we are in right relationship with you, even when we don't have the answers, you're still leading. You're still guiding, even when we can't see it. God, we don't know everything that this new year has in store for us. We don't know what trials it will bring. But we know that if you are leading us in this next year, and if we will simply be content to follow you, if we'll make that our aim, our goal, we know, Lord, that where you lead, it will be well for us. And even though we may sometimes struggle or suffer, even though there's pain along the way, if you are leading, as we sang earlier, it is well with my soul. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to be content this morning, to let you lead. And and for us to to step aside, if we've tried to to get in front or if we've tried to, uh, to get in the way, help us to step aside and say, God, you take over, you lead, we'll follow. I pray for those who are here who perhaps have never come to that point where they've said, Jesus, I will follow you. I pray, Lord, that this would be that day that they see their sin for what it is, rebellion against God that they would confess their sin, confess and acknowledge their need for a Savior. I pray that they would truly believe that Jesus died for them and that, that he rose again, and that today, even in these very moments, they would call upon Jesus and confess him as Lord. Father, would you show us, all of us, what you would have us to do today? What is your perfect will for us? And we thank you, O God, that your will is perfect and good. We thank you in advance for who you are and for what you're doing and for all that you're going to do in this year to come. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.